All right, welcome to Duck and the Usher, a movie podcast. My name is Joshua Stenkamp. Hello, hello, I'm Zach Fisher. And today's movie is the 1998 cult classic, Dark City. Yes, indeedy. Now, uh, there's a lot to unpack here with this movie. Uh, it was your first time seeing it. It was my first time. I, I watched it last night, and um, I, I mean, I have some comments. I mean, Zach is uh, the Mr. The Fish. Uh, he loves this movie. He picked this movie. He knows a lot about it, so he's going to be doing a majority. You're going to be leading this podcast. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to. I don't want to dominate or monopolize. So no, I, it's fine. I it's, mean, it's, it's a very. It's it's a heavy Zach film. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a Zach heavy film. It's a deep favorite. One has a really special place in my heart. Um, from the time I first saw it, and and I've seen it many many times since then because it's always good to revisit it and and analyze it. Um. <clears throat> Now, as you mentioned, it was uh, from 1998, which was a massive banner year for a lot of films. It like, was. Do you want me to list those? Yeah, throw uh, out. 1998 just... was a huge movie. I mean, so this, if you take all the, if you take the worldwide, um, like, worldwide box office, this movie ranks number 81 out of 100 for, for the year. Just for that year? Just for that year. Um, number one was Armageddon that okay. came out, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, that really wretched Godzilla movie with yeah. uh, Matthew <laughs> Broderick. Broderick. Yeah. Um, Deep Impact, Lethal Weapon 4, Shakespeare in Love, The Truman Show, You've Got Mail, Sheesh. Rush Hour, The Mark, The Mask of Zorro, City of Angels, Patch Adams. The list just goes yeah. on and on and on. You 1998, do, uh, The Thin Red Line. Oh my God, yes. The, just a massive, massive year for movies. So this... um, And... You only just it, this movie cost twenty seven million dollars and it made twenty seven million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, broke it, even. It broke even, like almost to the to the T. Yeah. Um, New Line Cinema, uh, basically, pretty much produced this, and then they kind of they issued it on DVD. Were DVDs yep. out in ninety eight? Well, they Maybe? were starting to. Starting I think ninety nine was. It like, was on home video. Yeah, there you go. home video. Pretty, pretty say, quickly. I want to say DVDs became more. Um, uh, prevalent in 99, 2000, because I, I think I remember the very first movie I ever watched on DVD about 20 years ago was uh, The Bone Collector. The and, Bone Collector. And, and, all, and of course, The Matrix. That was a, it was a great release. Yeah, so this came out on February 27th, and the video came out July 29th. So it, okay. Yeah, only, uh, you know, not that, so, so like two uh, months, no, before, five months later. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This is that. a rated R movie, by the way. It runs, yes. it runs a... Oh, was it a hundred minutes? No, it's uh, a it's an hour and forty minutes. It's yeah, it's a it's ninety six minutes. Ninety six yeah, minutes. Ninety six yeah. minutes. So not a very long movie, but no. it's got a lot of stuff jam packed into it. Yes, it does. It is is a very full movie. Uh, there's a lot to uh, see, and and hear, and, and and little little things you can you can dissect and pick apart. Um, so it's a mystery sci fi thriller. Uh, someone call it neo noir. Um, the tagline for the movie is "You are not who you think you are." And uh, before we go any further, I do want to make a quick mention. It, today is my 33rd birthday. Happy birthday. Wah, wah. So it's it's pretty cool to be talking about something that I, I, I really hold in a special place in my heart of hearts here. So it's uh, September 26th. Yes. 2019. September 26th. Also, uh, it is the 50th anniversary of the release of uh, The Beatles' Abbey Road. Oh, Which is nice. a great... A great album. Anyway, so let's, let's get right into it here with Dark City. Um... I'm going to give you a quick synopsis, and then we'll talk about the director and the cast. Uh, so uh, the movie uh, opens with uh, John Murdoch. He awakens alone in a strange hotel, 
to find that he has lost his memory and is wanted for a series of brutal and bizarre murders. While trying to piece together his past, he stumbles upon a fiendish underworld controlled by a group of beings known as the Strangers, who possess the ability to put people to sleep and alter the city and its inhabitants. Now Murdoch must find a way to stop them before they take control of his mind and destroy him. Uh, so we got a little bit of a clip, which is the opening scene. Yeah, do you want to kind of just, should I set the scene up? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. So uh, when you're watching the movie, he, like the one of the, you get a little uh, little narration at the beginning, kind of like a, just, it make, this movie makes no sense. If you've never seen this movie, it, it, it doesn't make much sense until the very end. It's at got first, like, and it's that's, got, that's it's, got, it's got a twist. It's like the usual suspects type of thing. It's yeah, a nice little twist towards the end. And that's what you want out of a out of a movie that has a mystery to it. You don't you don't want to be handed the information. You kind of want to go along uh, with it. Yeah, and yeah. and that's I like the movie because one I had never seen it, so it right. was very new and fresh. And it's great that you didn't have you didn't like have any like trailers or any other anything Nothing. to I spoil it for I you. I didn't research anything. <laughs> That's great. Um, That's the best way to, to view movies, in my opinion. Is so go, he, going in, he cold. wakes up in a bathtub, um, and he doesn't really know where he is. He puts on some clothes, and then the phone rings, and this is uh, what you hear. You are confused, aren't you? Frightened? That's all right. I can help you. Who is this? I am a doctor. Now you must listen to me. You have lost your memory. There was an experiment. Something went wrong. Your memory was erased. Do you understand me? No, I don't understand. What the hell is going on here? Just listen. There are people coming for you, even as we speak. You must not let them find you. You must leave now. Hello? Are you there? So, yeah. Yeah, and so and that's where the movie begins. Like, right away, immediately, there's a, there's a mystery at hand. Um, you're with the lead actor, and and you like him are yeah, that's like a Robert, WTF. Robert Sowell. Sowell. Oh, uh, Rufus, Rufus Rufus Sewell. Rufus and, Sewell. Uh, you might remember him from movies like uh, he was in The Illusionist. He played. Uh, yeah, he was the villain in he that. He was the one. villain in that one. He was also in Gosh, Knight's in Tale. A Knight's Tale. Bless he, the child. Extreme he, ops. I mean, <laughs> if, if anybody's ever seen the uh, the old uh, 50s, 60s film Houdini with. Um, uh, Tony, Curtis. Tony Curtis. I mean, this guy. This guy's kind of a spitting. Like the entire time I watched the movie, I'm like, he looks like Tony Curtis. Yeah. I don't know if he ever did a Tony Curtis bio, but he could. He could play know. Tony Curtis. But uh, yeah, his his uh, filmography is is pretty extensive. Um, even up until recently, he's been in a lot of great stuff. He's in The Man in the High Castle, The Marvelous Marvelous, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Maisel. Yeah, he was in Abraham Lincoln, The Vampire Hunter. I like that um, movie. It's cheesy, but yeah, like it. and he's a great and and uh, right away you see he's he's a good looking man. He's got these high cheekbones, and just great skin. <laughs> he does throughout the movie. He really does yeah. have some really good skin. And yeah. then, uh, you know, so that's him talking. But the guy who's like, you know, uh, people are coming for you. That is Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, Kiefer Sutherland, the legendary actor, son of Donald Sutherland. Uh, most notably, everyone probably recognizes him first for being Jack Bauer. Yeah, 24. 24. Uh, I mean, the Lost Boys. Yeah, uh, he was one of the main vampires. Uh, but what's the, the he was, designated uh, survivor, I think, is the newest thing yeah, he's in. And I yeah. think that just ended because they moved it to Netflix. I yeah. actually like that. I didn't show. watch that one. It was pretty good. Um, he's in the uh, Flatliners, the OG and the remake. Yep. Um, Stand By Me. He was the main bully. He was. In Stand By Me. Um Young Guns, lest we forget. I mean, his, he's been in a lot of things. He's been all over the place. I mean, he's he's a Sutherland. Yeah, he's a Sutherland, uh, Canadian royalty. And as what, far what, as I'm what's concerned, what's his name in the movie? Uh, he is Doctor Daniel Schreiber. Schreiber, and it, didn't you have some trivia on the Schreiber? Yeah, thing? the Schreiber thing is really interesting. Um, in that they borrow the name from an old German. Where am I at here? 
Okay, so the film... He has... Uh, Zach is going through his notes. And yeah, I have extensive I, I bought notes. all these yellow, <laughs> you know, white legal notepads, and he's written like 15 pages. So this so, is going to be a long episode, Yeah, folks. well, I'm going to try... I'm going to try to, like, truncate it, you know, so the where... If, if something is... Can be omitted it, it won't matter i just wanted to put as much as i can down because uh, like i said there's a lot to unpack so the daniel schreiber character the name comes from an author of an, of an early 20th century book entitled memoirs of my nervous illness um and this guy wrote that while he was institutionalized for schizophrenia and originally the book was meant as an argument for his release um, really yeah <laughs> so uh dark city borrows heavily from the concept of uh quote-unquote fleetingly improvised men which are found throughout the uh, Schreiber's memoirs. And, and, and who is this directed by? This is directed by Alex Proyas, um, who is an Australian director. We, we deal with a lot of Australians so yeah, thus far on the show. Like, but, I mean, he's most notably, I, it's even on the cover of the DVD, yep, right. the director you know, of The Crow. So, yes. I mean, most people, if you're a movie buff, you've seen The Crow with Brandon yeah. Lee and um, Brandon Lee, right? Brandon, that's Brandon. right. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say Jason Lee, and I'm like, totally different. I think, yeah, different guy, <laughs> be, white dude. Wouldn't that be a very different movie? Yeah, it would be. Um, among, uh, yeah, The Crow was a big one of his. He also did iRobot, which I think is his most successful movie with Will Smith. Um, there, there's, you know, people are on the fence with that one. I personally kind of liked it. I like it. Mostly because Alan Tudyk as the robot Sonny. He just kills it. Alan Tunick is is just amazing, and yeah. if you don't know who Alan Tunick is, you need to rewatch Firefly. Too um, Dick is it? Too Dick. I yeah. always say Tunick. Yeah, yeah, like a shirt. Oh, and he was also in um, Night's Tale. Yeah, he was. So they were. Yeah, there's there's some Look connections at that there. Little uh, six degrees. Also, uh, he also did Knowing back in 2009, which without oh, the Nicholas, director right? Nicholas Cage. Yeah, okay. and I feel like that one's pretty good too. Uh, I don't think I've seen that the whole one. alien plot near the end. You know, a lot of people have misgivings about just shoehorning aliens in there. As it's, it's, it's people consider it lazy writing, but you know that's that's what he does. And then he, his the quality of his movies has kind of dipped. His most recent movie was Gods of Egypt, um, mm. which depicts a bunch of white actors as gods, gods of Egypt. Egypt. Uh, and and beyond the few movies he has directed, he's also directed like over a hundred music videos uh, for bands like In Excess, Alphaville, and even Sting. Oh, nice. So he's he's uh, he's prolific after, at least in that world. So after we get this little phone call thing, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character is like, mm -hmm. "Yo, people are coming to get you," and so he he basically. Runs out, you know, he's dressed, grabs a suitcase, runs out, and then we see the main villains, basically. Yes. Uh, they're, are they Tuners? Is that the name that they're They're, they're called the Strangers, the well, which strangers. is a name that uh, Kiefer Sutherland's uh, character gave Gives them. because we don't actually know what they are. we don't are. know what they are. Okay. I mean, later in the movie, you, you do actually find out what they are. They're a race of alien species who are like kind of like an energy uh, in their form, and they inhabit the bodies of, of cadavers or, or dead humans. Yeah. So they appear humanoid, um, but they're just uh, aliens using human bodies as hosts. And, and they have some weird names, uh, but the, the main one that you really meet is a guy named Mr. Hand, mm -hmm. and he's kind of the, the bad stranger, and that's played by... Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien, which if you have ever seen a great cult hit called Rocky Horror Picture Show. He plays Riff Raff. Yes. And, it, you know, watching the movie, I kind of knew it was him, but it's the minute he starts talking. You're just yeah. like, it looks like I, he hasn't aged a day. I used to think it was Daniel Craig, like a long time ago. Really? Because he kind of looks like him a little bit. Or maybe it's a really just, thin Daniel yeah, Craig. Yeah, thin I Daniel mean, Craig. I guess Daniel Craig was thin at one point. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Shock Treatment, which we mentioned on the last episode. Uh, for Clifty Young, the guy who played the father in Flight of the Navigator, oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. in that movie also with Look Richard O'Brien. I know, man. Yeah. They're everywhere. And he was also in Ever After, a Cinderella story with uh, um, 
Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is, uh, and the, the key word here, and we'll kind of talk about it, is Dark City. Uh, it is completely filmed in the dark. Like, it is a very dark movie, it, tonally and visually. And that's why I think, it's, I think it's funny that we did The Phantom, which there's only like two nighttime scenes, yeah. it's all daytime, and now we're doing a movie where very it's Very few daytime. It, there's, I think the ending is the only daytime. That's right. Um, and another, one of the other, uh, well, there's two other characters in this who are part of the strangers who are, I think, important actors in their own right. Um, specifically Bruce Spence. I think a lot of people would recognize him. He's a very tall, he's got a very distinct look to him. He's got a, a, a very distinct face. That wasn't Mr. Book, right? He was Mr. Wall. Mr. He was Wall. the tall dude that's with, uh, Hand and Mr. Sleep. Okay. And then and Mr. Book... Mr. Book is Mr. Book is kind of like the the higher, like the he's the hierarchy he's like the head priest it's like the overlord if you, like, yeah. if you will and of, he did he did a bunch of stuff mostly Shakespeare I mean yeah he did he's a, lot a of he's a British actor he's he's um I think most well known for uh, the UK House of Cards okay before there was a, an American version of yeah Netflix. no there's the UK one yeah yeah he played that uh, he was in From Hell and he was in Brazil which was directed by Terry Gilliam oh nice yeah. I, li- I like From Hell it, it was funny because when you see Mr. Book the entire time it, it looked like Darth Vader without his helmet totally and yeah. that's, I was like is it the same actor and I had to, I had to pause the movie and look it up I'm like no that's not it um, Bruce Spence was also most notably well known as playing the gyro captain in Mad Max he was the train man in the Matrix and we will have some Matrix connections uh, to this as well yes definitely Ace Ventura When Nature Calls he was one of the Australian like poachers uh, and he was also in Revenge of the Sith and Return of the King in the deleted scene that was added in the extended version as the Black Lieutenant. Gotcha. Just to name a well, few. Well, enough of talking about other people's yeah. movies. <laughs> let's, uh, you want to continue the yeah, story? Yeah, let's hop hey, right th- in, th- man. Th- this is going to be a rough podcast because without seeing the movie, this movie... Uh, is is very dark. It's very sci-fi. It mm-hmm. is very weird. So we're gonna. Ch- if you've never seen it, we're gonna. I mean, we don't really go through the entire plot of the movie. We want no. you to go see this. Yeah. We're gonna give you little tidbits and spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna be spoiling. We're gonna the be movie. giving away some uh, big plot reveals. And, th- and this is a hard one because it has such a twist ending. That it's it, almost a shame that I would recommend if you're listening to this cast right now, just turn it go off, watch and go, it, go watch and it, and then come back and listen. And oh, it's not streaming anywhere. It's not. Uh, it's not. We bought the DVD. I don't know if you can rent it somewhere, but we bought the DVD. You know, there's something I, I, I we need to mention. In addition to all the the various streaming services, one can potentially watch all these movies on, or or buying or purchasing the yeah. DVDs themselves. Go to your local library. There's always that a massive true. selection of movies that one can choose from, and it's almost certainly going to have some of these gems hidden within. A little droppy drop. Yeah, I dropped the DVD. That's <laughs> oh, all right. That's all right. So, um. Back to the point in the movie where we start with Rufus Sewell in the in the bathtub. He gets out. He puts on his his pea coat. And he starts. I mean, we did the phone call. He's like running yeah. out of the. He's running out of his room as the strangers are coming. Oh, in. They're arriving. Yeah, and and they they kind of have that sort of man in black looking ominous thing. They have long black coats and black fedora hats. And, and the film itself, like right away, is is a dark noir esque tone. Um, and it's really ambiguous as to which decade or time you that, don't, that it is. Yeah, I wrote that down because, you know, I've never seen the movie. So I was like, what, you know, what, what decade, what are we decade in? Yeah. is it? And also I, I said it's very Gotham-esque. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because it, it is very uh, ominous tones. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I said there's a lot of miniatures. A lot of miniatures. Lot of mini- which actually uh, at the very end kind of like they did it on purpose. Oh, yeah, totally. Like they did it on purpose because at the very end you kind of see what this world is. Mm-hmm. And it kind of everything fits together. They did a really good job. I'm surprised this didn't get a lot of accolades. I mean, um, it, do, it it did after the fact. It's garnered such a cult following now that they even use it in in like film studies classes where they break down like 
you know how films are made or whatever and 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 to to be perfectly honest here full disclosure josh and i are just like movie fans we we're not really like well trained and or yeah, or versed I, I, in... I went to school for theatrical training yeah. so i mean if you if, if we had a podcast of uh you know we don't really Neil know much Simon about and Moliere and Shakespeare. We could, yeah. I could talk about that all day. Sure, but when it comes to like technical aspects of filmmaking, we're not experts, and 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 we don't want to. I mean, there's other podcasts that'll dive into that. We sure, don't, you know, we we want them to. We'll, we'll leave it to the experts. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's great about this movie is it leaves it to the viewer to discover the world and the mystery on their own. Um, when he goes out into the world, there's this great score. I don't, I don't know who did the music, but there's this like sort of perilous music score that's like really like like charging. And and sort of it just it, it's supposed to like invoke fear and it feels like fear it sounds like fear. Um, uh, the music was by Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones. Trevor okay. Jones. Uh, and then shortly after that, the, the, there's sort of like a it's a little jarring the way the movie goes from this perilous sort of uh, escape to um, Jennifer Connelly showing up um, in this sort of like jazzy nightclub. Um, oh yeah, she's also in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she is. And we'll, we'll play. Uh, by the way, Trevor Jones did like Dark Crystal, The Labyrinth, Time Bandits. Um, oh wow! Yeah, he did a he did did a few pretty Last of the Mohit. No, that's somebody different. I think he just helped out on that. Um, but yeah, he did a couple of different things with it. So. And then uh, as the movie progresses, you start to get introduced to the principal cast. You get Jennifer Connelly out of it. You, then you meet William Hurt, who plays uh, Inspector uh, Bumstead. And what I really dead. like about um, I love William Hurt. I do too. My God, I like his dad too. I like John Hurt. That's Paul his Hurt. dad. Yeah, I did not know that. You know that? Yeah, that's William Hurt is John Hurt's son. Wow. Yeah. John Hurt was in Alien with uh, Veronica Cartwright, who we yep. talked about in the last episode too. Dude, everything's connected, <laughs> and I think that's why people play that six degrees of separation. Uh, and here's a neat little tidbit that I really liked that I only just learned about uh, when when we see William Hurt um, introduced in this movie. He's playing an accordion. And uh, there's an interesting little tidbit about the particular song he's playing. Nice. Well, while you look that up, how about we do a little uh, commercial? Do it. Hi, everybody. Just a quick little announcement. If you want to follow us on all of our social media and your social media, go to www.duckintheusher.com. That is D-U-C-K-I-N, The Usher. On there, you'll be able to see all of our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links, and also a uh, support the show option, which makes you become a Patreon member, a patron of our show. Kind of helps us get some donations so we can continue bringing you the content you deserve and helping us kind of update our equipment as we go on in this venture. So back to the episode. All right. So did you find it? <clears throat> yeah, I did. Cool. Uh, so when it opens, it's, it's a really small little thing. It's just a little piece of music. You barely get a, a, any of it. But it's such a minute detail that one would overlook it if you didn't know that what he's playing on the accordion is a little song written in 1939 by a Polish Jewish composer, Jerzy Petersberski. Uh, and I'm probably butchering that. And the song is called Little Blue Handkerchief. Uh, what's important about this, or significant rather, is the song lyrics about the song tell about a lonely, unhappy man who wanders aimlessly through the world thinking about his lost love which is gone forever. Wow, that ties in really yeah. well to the movie. And as the movie is about our memories, the song actually fits the mood quite well. Yeah. And it's a beautiful looking accordion. They do like a callback to it later yeah. on. Yeah, there's always, yeah, a mention so to is, it. is there a way that we can, I mean, I don't want to do step by step of the movie. No, certainly it's not. Like, let's try to like, sum, you, you want me to try to sum it up or do you just want to try to sum this movie up? Like, well, the notes I did take about it don't um, give away too many of the key plot points. Okay. It's just points right. in the movie that I, I gotcha. think stand out. 
Um, one one after this, after we meet uh, William Hurt, he he's out in the world trying to discover who he is, and he goes to the automat, which I don't even know what an automat is. Was it something created for the movie, or did the it actually automat? used to be a thing? When does he go to the automat? Like right after he he gets uh, a. a the he first gets, time we see him is when he's when he comes downstairs from his hotel room. The guy behind the desk says, "Oh, you left by your the wallet. way, in the hotel room when the, um, the our main character uh, Murdoch is his name um, leaves, um, he sees a dead hooker in the corner that's mm-hmm. uh, got knife wounds that are like just kind of circled all around. They're like around spirals. Yeah, so spirals, spirals and circles are sort of. Mo- and he doesn't re- he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't remember anything. So he chips out. You know. So he goes to the automat and he uh, and he he. Uh, sees that his wallet, the guy behind the counter is like, "Here's your wallet." Oh, the no, I okay, I didn't know it was called an automat. Yeah, no, no, no. Back in the back in the forties, the thirties and forties, they used to have these places um, where you could just go in and food, little yeah, eateries. Food, yeah, so it's a it's food. It's a it's basically an old school vending machine. So there would be like a fresh plate of pie, and you had to put a quarter in, push the button, you open a little window, you can grab the uh. pie. So if anybody's worked at like a, a big corporation, sometimes they'll have sandwiches. Oh that yeah, do yeah. The same thing. Okay. I didn't know it was called an automat, but yeah, no, I've definitely seen those before. Uh, and it's in this scene that we we see that um, John Murdoch. Well, well, he gets his wallet, and he opens it up, he sees that his name is indeed John Murdoch. Yeah, he finds out it's Jay Murdoch when he's right. at the hotel, but he can't figure out what yeah. his first name it was is. It's a really great scene, like a little smash cut of him walking back and forth trying to just, like, yeah, you know, like Jack Murdoch, Jerry. Jack. Joseph, uh, Jeremy, uh, Jack, John even says it correctly at one point. Yeah, he looks like a crazy man. He's, he's like, like yeah. wandering the streets <laughs> talking to himself. Yeah, and and he and it, and, and he even sees like, am I going crazy? What's going on? Um, he's got this really excellent jacket on. Again, great set design. It's sort of like ambiguous 1950s, 60s kind of borrows from that era. Um, after I think he run, he runs into a woman at the automat who kind of saves him from questioning from the police, and that is um, that's Melissa George. That was her first. Uh, it was like her movie debut, uh, uh, and she's in a lot of stuff now, mostly like television. And then you get the obligatory booby shot from her afterwards. Yeah, there, there's some titties. Yeah, there's some titties <laughs> in this. So if, you, uh, if you're a titty fan, the yeah, if you're a titty fan, uh, you're gonna get at least one shot. I know uh, Mr. Skin or whatever that. Well, I think you get two shots. I mean, you get like the dead hooker. Yeah, uh, which is you know. I don't know. Little, that immediately cancels it out. It's a little Ted Bundy-ish. Uh, yeah, if you're into that. <laughs> um, but then yeah, yeah, you, you do get a nice. Oh, there's a really good strip tease behind like. Uh, yeah, and then he like dips out. Yeah, he she's dips like, out. Another one lost. Can't get laid in Dark City. Um, one thing I liked, which I think was a, was uh, a deliberate homage to Hitchcock, is after the the strangers catch up to them, and he discovers he has this strange ability to uh, like a telekinetic ability. Yeah. Did you, um, yeah, you finished that story with him popping it open. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah well, wallet, he yeah. pops it open at, at the automat and gets his wallet. That's how he does that. Just by thinking about it, and he's like, oh shit, it's like, I, we're, we're, I can we're, do we're, things. We're, 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 we're. Yeah. Um, so when the strangers catch up to him for the first time, he's on like this billboard, and he's like, "Oh man, Shell Beach, what's this? I have a memory of this. I, it's something that I need to pursue." Yeah, yeah. He's a so he has a like a suitcase that he found in the hotel room that has a KH on it, and uh, it's not his suitcase. He finds right. out, but yeah, inside there's a little Shell Beach, and that's kind of a, a running sort of like the, it's the running MacGuffin. Theme. Is that the MacGuffin in this Shell Beach? Because <sighs> it's it's somewhere in there. Uh, is is your MacGuffin if you know what what that means, which is also a Hitchcockian. I don't know if, sort of I, reference. I mean, it is it is like a main theme, so maybe it is the MacGuffin. I mean, yeah, I mean it's got to be it's, it's, it's whatever drives the plot is the MacGuffin, right? Yeah, him. Yeah, I guess him trying to get to Shell Beach is yeah. pretty much. I mean, th- there are a lot of subplots in this. Like sure. everyone's doing things, but yeah, I guess that is the uh, yeah. the main. And story when uh, when the strangers catch up to them, he he 
they discover that he can do has their ability, which they which they call tuning, mm-hmm. uh, which is just this telekinetic ability to shape the world as they see fit. And he opens up the uh, the floorboards underneath one of the strangers. The stranger falls, and in the shot, it's directly down on uh, the stranger falling, in what what is clearly like a green screen effect behind him, which m- looks just like the man falling in the scene in Vertigo. Oh, yeah. By yeah. Hitchcock. So it's super, That's like, throw, throwback. Yeah. Um, and then from there, the movie progresses, and you see this underground dwelling of these of the strangers and, and, and uh, collectively standing around. And what I wrote down is the Parliament of Pinheads, because it looks like a bunch of Hellraisers. My, my, my wife was like, it kind of reminds me of Coneheads, and I'm like, a lot darker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah so they, they have this thing called, uh, called tuning, and they're basically like the... There's this giant clock, and every time the clock hits midnight, uh, like time stops. But it's weird. Like time, everyone falls asleep mm-hmm. basically. So I don't know. It just the the clock stop. Everyone just kind of falls over, mm-hmm. um, except for uh, except Murdoch, for John Murdoch. Except yeah. for John Murdoch. And so that really plays with his mind too, because now everybody's falling asleep around him, and he's like, "What the h and, is uh, going on here?" And they're like doing this thing, and they're basically building new places in the city. Mm-hmm. And we, that's a, that's and they a theme do it that happens every night every at night. midnight, and they change um, not just the structure of the city and how it's laid out, but they go in and, and change people's individual lives. Which they'll yeah. take a like a impoverished couple and then put them in more elaborate, opulent living, and then and, and replace their memories with that of, it, of an affluent couple. And they they replace their memories with the that's that's what um, Kiefer Sutherland's character does is uh, he is like the psychiatrist doctor. He, and he's figured out a way to blend memories from different people, and so he injects them in, like, the forehead with this, like, drill needle thing. Yeah, it's a memory injection. A memory injection. <laughs> and, he cha- and, and, that, and they're doing it to everybody, and they did it to John Murdoch, mm-hmm. but he kind of re- he resisted it because, you know. And they've been doing right. this to people. Who knows how out. long. Yeah, it's, like, forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And, uh, and this is sort of like uh, when you start discovering, like, as the viewer, what more of what the movie's about. Because at this point, you're still really confused by the strange people. How do they, why are they controlling the environments that we live in? Why are people falling asleep? So it's it's a really, it's a rewarding movie to watch I, I, I as do, you move I do want to say that we were talking about costumes for a minute. Yeah. But um, I, I, I wrote down that, that Kiefer Sutherland looks like it, like, like an Igor, Dr. Frankenstein, and then the, uh, the Nazi bad guy from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, uh, like Tote? Yeah, yeah. He, like because he, he's got like this weird like his eye about? is kind of yeah. you know which you find out like he got beaten up and stuff, but his eyes all down and he's just yeah. kind of stumbles around. He wears glasses. It's just uh, it's yeah. a weird kind of character. He's got a, he's got a unique like speaking voice in this too. He he really like well like rounded out this character and that's you know it's just Kiefer Sutherland being a fucking master. Um, so well, yeah, like you start to like see that there's elements of like a philosophical under, underpinnings um, throughout, and you're like, what is it about? existence uh, purpose like cosmic or existential dread like what is really going on um especially after the tuning scene which is great on first view and it's still cool to this day I, like i still really like it and that's when you see more of like the set design the miniatures of the city morphing and changing uh and and i think alex proyas got his um inspiration for the uh morphing of the city from when they were moving set pieces around while filming the crow oh that's and also cool. dark city as a whole uh, is was inspired by this recurring nightmare he used to have. Really? Yeah. So I, did he write this also? Uh, no, it was actually written by uh, David S. Goyer. 
Okay. Uh, and I think a lot of you might recognize Goyer. I mean, if you're into that sort of stuff, is uh, he was a screenwriter on a lot of things like the Blade trilogy, which started that same year. He also was part of the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan. He did story elements for that and screenplay, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, among many other films as a screenwriter. Um, I think he even directed um, Blade Three. Uh, Trinity. Yeah, because. Stephen, yes, yeah, yeah Blade Trinity. Yeah. Stephen Norrington did the first one, but Goyer always had a hand in it, and then eventually he directed one himself. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a dark movie, and like I said, yeah, it's very reminiscent of like a Gotham style type thing. Yeah, you get a lot of uh, feelings of like it feels like Metropolis, especially when you get the larger like establishing shots of the city. It's a sort of crisscross mishmash of like streets and and uh, and cities and buildings and and inter or. Uh, Highways and overpasses. Yeah, and just everything connects. Real it, busy. It, it's a maze, and that's something I wrote down earlier. Like a rat. Like a rat, because yeah. uh, th there is a scene where you see uh, Kiefer Sutherland in, like, in, like, I guess his little doctor's laboratory, and he's playing with a rat um, that has like a circular maze. And um, uh, Jennifer Connelly, you find out, is John Murdoch's wife, mm -hmm. Emma. And Emma, and um, the William Hurt's character, the detective, he is. Um, Trying to find the person who's killing all these hookers, basically. Right. And uh, you find out that it's it pretty much is John Murdoch who's been murdering all these people, yeah. but he doesn't remember anything. Well, that it's it's implanted in the memory. It's implanted even in his if memory. he didn't actually do it. It's it's set up in the memory because it's part of the, the strangers. Like this is going to be so confusing for the people that. Oh, are I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> like you really like again. I hope you took our advice and stopped the podcast earlier and yeah. just watched the movie. Because um, this is going to be a weird one. And if you have seen the movie, then you're on page with us and you know exactly what we're talking about. Totally. Um, and William Hurt uh, is plays this really well as a as this detective who's um, what's he's sort of he's, he's hard to convince. He's, he's a straight shooter. He's got his mind set. Yeah. And he's, and he's, he's you know, sort of like hard to to convince until he has a scene with uh, the Murdoch character where he asks him, when was the last time you saw Daylight? Yeah, no, he's like, how do you get to Shell Beach? Because he's trying to get oh, Shell yeah. Beach, and, and, and he's like, there's uh, no way to get to the he's ocean. He's like, yeah, sure, go. Uh, and no one remembers, uh, yeah. And it uh, just uh, blanks. Uh, and every time you try to, he he actually attempts to escape the city, and he discovers there's no way out. Well, there's a there's also another detective that's like John Murdoch, where he yeah. he uh, he woke up, like he knows what's going on. Yeah. And uh, you know, well, everyone Walensky. doesn't believe him. Yeah, Walensky. And he ends up like throwing himself in front of a train. Cause yeah, he's like, no he's like, I one... figured out a way out. Yeah, just <laughs> suicide. Yeah, he gets hit by like a, an old school trolley, basically a subway car. Yeah, there is a lot of it is very existential dread when you think about this movie. And and there's um, what's uh, there's a lot of um, sort of the philosophical idea of uh, like what you see and you perceive in your world. It may be not actually real. Which is great uh, because this movie was came out right before The Matrix, where that was a like central theme, uh, as well as another movie which I think is largely forgotten called The Thirteenth Floor, um, which just came out around this era. So The Dark City, Matrix, I, don't think I saw The Thirteenth Floor. Floor. I was thinking like fifteen oh eight or something for some reason. Um, was that the that's Cusack? The, yeah, it's Cusack. Sixteen oh eight, fourteen oh eight, fourteen oh eight because it, it adds up to thirteen. Fourteen oh eight. Okay, yeah, fourteen oh eight. So. Uh, Immediately, if you're into that sort of thing, you're gonna, you're gonna love this movie just for that for that tone and that sort of like philosophical kind of vista, if you will. Um, 
And then there's like like Greek mythology. Like you can, you can discover little little Easter eggs all throughout this movie that I, I think really. I, I want to. I'm probably going to rewatch this. Oh yeah, you point. should. Because I, I do. You think own it now. Fucking. Watch I own it. As yeah. Much this is can. a this is going to be a two viewing because you're gonna you're gonna see stuff that you missed and especially that you once you watch it once and you're like <gasps> you get that awe moment out of the way then you can go in and really yeah look at things that you may have missed and there's a there was there's rewatching this again I I. You really have to pay attention because if, if you're sort of like not following the movie closely, it's easy to get lost because the average shot length in this is like 1.8 seconds. Yeah, there's it's very, and, yeah. and I I feel like they did that on purpose because the world is consistently changing, changing yeah. all the time. So it's that everything yeah. is. And as a viewer, you get confused because I I can't recall where the uncle character came from. He just goes to that house. I know it's part of his implanted memories yeah he just get, yeah so kh on the the trunk that he has you find out that uh he remembers the name from those implanted memories and it's uh was that his uncle's initials yeah it was his uncle's initials oh okay and then he he goes and finds uh his uncle you know on yeah. the quotation marks that no one can see yeah moment. yeah <laughs> so and, and and yeah so everybody's got these implanted memories they're not themselves they've been re-implanted a million times and, and they're mixed with other memories um which is what Kiefer sutherland's character does right he mixes like, oh, let's add a little uh, sociopath. Let's add a little childhood memory here, so that he's creating memories for people, and they're consistently doing it. And uh, it, d- should we say like why they're doing it? Well, like, uh, why the strangers are doing it? Yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, well, you discover later that the world that they're in isn't actually on Earth. Yeah, uh, which is a big plot reveal. So spoilers. Here we go. Um, and they live on this sort of flat. <laughs> yeah, I wrote to flat Earth. <laughs> so, so well, okay. So, so William Hurt and um and 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 the Murdoch guy, they they basically kind of join forces. They kind of they join forces. Him, he yeah. convinces them, and they they kidnap uh, Kiefer Sutherland's doctor, his, that character Schreiber, and and they go to uh, Shell Shell Island. They try to find Shell they Beach. Yeah. Shell Beach, uh, but all it is is a billboard. Like or it's a, like a whole blank wall. It's just, they, yeah, they, it, like, it's just like a wall that's painted, and they kind of rip it down, and, and they start breaking through the wall, and they're like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" And they open and then, it up, and then boom. you realize you're just you're they're floating in space. Yeah, and it's talk about scary or terrifying if you were to break through oh, the wall yeah. and see just the void, the void of nothingness, <laughs> and then it kind of zooms out, and you see that they're just on this giant floating disc. Yep. With and a it, city built on top, and, and all. I, that's why I wrote down. I'm like flat earthers, flat earth, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there is, there's even a brief uh, glimpse of the of a map of the city when the the strangers are sort of trying to figure out what to do about the, this Murdoch anomaly. And you see a circular map that that very much looks like a rat maze, like as as oh, you yeah. called it out. It's like a real quick shot, but you see a little bit of a a rough interpretation of this the layout of the city, which is forever changing. So that's you know ambiguous as well. Um, and it's in this scene that uh, William Hurt's character, I think, wasn't he wrestle with one of the strangers? Yeah, he starts fighting with one of the strangers, and then uh, he kind of, like he well he pulls out his gun, so yeah, just and they did a good job. I think he fires like six, five shots because it, it was a little, revolver, right? Yeah, it was a little revolver, and he shoots a couple of them, and then he's fighting with someone, and then they just kind of get sucked out of the void, and yeah. that's when you see like the thing because he's like. Burp. Oh yeah, yeah. They get sucked out and they go through this force field because yeah. I think there was originally original test audience were like, well, why didn't the entire city just get sucked out into the vacuum? Yeah. And so in post they added a they uh, added like a little barrier. force field gotcha. barrier around the city which contains it. Where is the force field? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they float away, and that's when you see the city as a whole is just just uh, a remote city in space. Uh, who God knows where. 
And and then there's a lot of a uh, and it's that leaves it open to interpretation too. Like who are the strangers? Where are they from? How did the humans get there? Yeah, and uh, so Kiefer Sutherland, he's the only person like uh, when the strangers grabbed all of these humans, they chose him because he had because he is a psychiatrist. He knew so much about the human uh, uh, brain and the soul is what you know they talk about. Um, that they took him, they and they let him keep his. They didn't implant him, but they deleted all of his other memories. Yeah. So he knows that they're not supposed to be there. They they just don't know when they were taken and all that jazz. There's a couple schools of thought that like to imagine, and this is even from some of the filmmakers' own own interpretations. Mm-hmm. Um, David S. Goyer, I believe, uh, likes to think that it's um, that it's they're sort of um, dead and they're in purgatory. And this is this is a kind of purgatory. For That's all of a them. really I like that. I do too. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. And then there's another uh, idea that posits that they were um, inhabitants of an interstellar vessel that was intercepted by these strangers, and then subsequently That's a lot of people forced into oh, this. That's true. Yeah, like this the aliens experiment. took over. Yeah, and and it, 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 I did write down in here. I was like. Um, uh, world is what you make. That's not it. I'm like, it, it's a, you're a rat in a maze. Yeah. Until uh, until Kiefer Sutherland shows you the way. Yeah. Because again, it is like there is that tie back. With the yeah. minute the minute I saw them floating, mm-hmm. all I could think of was when Kiefer Sutherland is playing with his the rat. Right. That's in this giant circular crazy right. maze, and I'm like, the rat is the people. Yes. And and, uh, and he's consistently changing the maze, and that's what they do. They're consistently changing things Just and seeing see. and seeing how the rat reacts. Right. And, and like, the whole idea is it's like, very science. Uh, it's like a scientist rat patient type of absolutely. Deal. I think it, the uh, um, the idea, at least for the strangers, was to, to try to, d- to discover what it is that makes us human. What what is the human soul? Yeah, they because they, they're they, a dying race. They're a dying race, and they they, they want to become humans. That's right. like the entire thing. And oh yeah, and they have like the like the thing that inhabits these dead bodies is like this kind of it's like a weird toothy spaghetti, spaghetti energy thing. Spaghetti monsters from outer space, yeah, yeah like type of thing. <laughs> Pastafarians, yeah, the pasta. <laughs> Ramen. <laughs> um, we just lost two viewers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So and they kind of like inhabit because at one point um, when, when John Murdoch is first fighting them. Uh, one guy's uh, you remember when he like falls through the uh, yeah he falls the through thing. the thing like there's like this the shell beach there's like this woman you know it's like a little mechanical arm that's like welcome to shell beach yeah and uh, it like falls and like just yeah whacks slices over head, the skull right? cap yeah then you see that thing like you see this little out. spaghetti brain thing happening yeah, you see like a glimpse of one later it like goes through the main villain's eye and you get a glimpse of what it looks it, like behind the, in, they, inside their heads they, they don't like sunlight Nope, and, and they don't like humidity. And they intentionally keep the uh, oh, moisture. Moisture. That well, was I it. guess humidity is. Moisture. Well, yeah, moisture. Yeah. So that's why you can't ever go to the water or the beach. Um, yeah, they, why... they cut off everyone everyone's access to water except for Doctor Schreiber. Or yeah, Schreiber. he's allowed to go get a little moment of yeah, reprieve. He's, he's kind of he has his own little um, respite. What, what would you call it? It's like a sauna. It, yeah, it's like a bathhouse. It's like a bathhouse. Yeah, something like that. So he's kind of in there. Um, and they intentionally keep the city turned away from the, the nearest sun. So you never ever see daylight because the the bottom half of the city is facing towards the the nearest star, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know we get toward the end of the movie here when you see like the final conflict between Murdoch and and Mister Book and and Murdoch discovers like he unlocks the secret to his power which um, 
overpowers all of them collectively. He can start to manipulate the world around him. I, I have that. I have that scene. You know, in a, yeah, hit in us there? with that, and then we can talk a little so, yeah, bit more uh, about uh, the. Basically, he gets he gets uh, captured after John Hurt or John Hurt William Hurt. William Hurt. <laughs> I just love John Hurt. I want John Hurt to be in this movie. So William, when he gets sucked out, basically, uh, they they say they're going to kill Jennifer Connelly, and they take him back to their underground lair. And they're going to make Kiefer Sutherland, like, delete his memories um, to, for Murdoch. Uh, but instead, Kiefer Sutherland has, like, this syringe that um, is going to show him the true answer. So here's a little clip. And you kind of get, this is some of the music, too, that you get to hear. There's a really great shot uh, before you start that. Yeah, the, yeah, I, lo ahead. I love the shot of the syringe, like, coming into the foreground. Because they actually created like an oversized large prop of it. Oh, to be able to so that when you see all the details when it hits the focal plane, it's really it's really cool looking. Yeah, they do a great job. Oh, oh, for the when they're when it's like drilling into his, the head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when man. you see the close up coming at the camera. Yeah, yeah so that's awesome. how they implant the memories. It's like a syringe straight through the skull. And here we go. You'll rise to greater heights than that, my boy. One day when you're older, you'll understand. That's it, John. Practice makes perfect. Now remember what I told you. Never talk to strangers. You're probably wondering why I keep appearing in your memories. It is because I have inserted myself in them. So it it's a long clip. I didn't want to play the whole thing. But yeah. what it is is, uh, you know, um, Kiefer Sutherland's character, uh, you know, he spliced together these memories of him in uh, teaching John Murdoch how to... Uh, can uh, control his powers to defeat the strangers and when he injects him in the head he basically gets you know 33 years of information instantly boom and you know he wakes up and just starts which is very christ-like because yeah, uh, he's, he, he's he's on like this like he's kind of spread out yeah, on like, very, almost, like, almost like a crucifixion a crucifixion it kind of reminds me of like uh, when you go to the circus and you see people like throwing knives and the guys yeah you know they're like on the board yeah around. it has that and then he yeah he opens his eyes and the thing just like the metal rack he's on just melts it's like i really like, really love that you mentioned that that the melting yeah no no the the the, the sort of like christ comparisons yeah because well you mentioned it yeah, yeah. well i'm yeah. glad you brought it back around okay. because um <laughs> you said 33 years and Christ was 33 upon his crucifixion. I, j I literally just guessed that. Yeah. Oh, uh, which wow. is great because I'm 33 now today as well. What? And wait, wait for it. Wait Look for it. Look at those at connections. The, at the, there's another one. At the start of the movie, when we see the hotel room that he's in, the number on the door is 614, <coughs> which is, um, which could be, could allude to the Bible verse of John chapter six, <laughs> verse 14, that speaks of the coming of the savior. And and he's our savior in this movie, man. Dude, there are so many connections in yeah. this. Again, like uh, we, we, we we what we're talking about is the it's the tip of the iceberg. It really is. There's yeah. so much in this. You're really gonna do yourself a favor by discovering uh, all these little things for yourself. These are just these are things that I, I either notice myself or, or I lifted out of you know my research. You know, watching the movie. Some of the things I didn't pick up on my own. Honestly, I, I would read about it and I'd go back and watch it and be like, oh, yeah, there it is. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to get you a cough button. Dude, uh, for real. Well, hopefully all this shit will leave my lungs. He's been sick for like a week. Well, I got over being sick like last week and now it's just residual. Just the, the phlegm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the film also delves into ideas of this philosophy known as Last Thursdayism. Last Thursdayism. Last Thursdayism, yeah. 
which is a philosophy described in a satiric comment by 20th century historian Bertrand Russell. Uh, it refers to the Omphalos papers, uh, which were written in 1857 by Philip Goss, and it says that last Thursdayism uh, is last Thursdayism says that the world could have been created recently, even last Thursday. Oh, gotcha. Uh, but we cannot demonstrate such a thing because the world would have been created to look like an older world, and that's why they even know. 12 hours before at midnight their lives were changed but they have memories of things happening so far Years back ago. yeah 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 um which is just another little and very ma- and again very matrixy super matrixy like you know yeah. we created you type of thing and there's even parallels between like the final conflict with the main boss when they have that sort of aerial battle where they're floating kind of resembles that of uh, smith and neo in the matrix revolutions yeah. so, you know um and that's not the only connection to the matrix either Have you been listening to Ducking the Usher and possibly we missed something or we got something wrong? Well, you can tell us by giving us a call at 321-804-2635. Just leave a message, and who knows, we might play it on one of the episodes. Thank you for listening, and back to your current episode of Ducking the Usher. Yeah, I never really watched a lot. I think I saw the first two Matrix Matrix movies. I can say Matrix. Matrices? Matrices. Isn't that the the plural? Is that the plural? The Matrix films. Um... I think I only saw the first two. So the other connections to this aren't so much like story or, or theme, um, but actually the sets in this movie. There's the spiral staircase in, in one of there's, the chase scenes. There's a lot of spiral because even like. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's even, a big motif. You know, the, the things on the. Because the, uh, when John Murdoch supposedly kills all those hookers, mm-hmm. which you find out he doesn't do it. They did all of it that implanted the memory that he was. Right. You know, the serial killer because they wanted to see how a serial killer would react right right they're the scientists the people are the mice right um yeah and there's just spirals everywhere well that spiral staircase is the same one that that's in the og matrix in 99 which was filmed a year later yeah they bought they literally bought sets uh, from and, them? And, and use them in the Matrix. Like the uh, rooftop scene in the beginning of the Matrix are the same rooftops they're that just like, John oh, Murdoch is running from the strangers on. Was the Matrix uh, the same production company? Uh, was it New Line Cinema at all? Or? No, I think Legend. Or, uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm no, not, we'll I'm have not, to find that out later. Yeah, yeah we will. The, there is a one th- uh, thing that I saw is uh, the colors, because it is a very dark movie. Um, yeah. But inside the rooms are usually lit up. But from the very beginning, when he wakes up in the bathtub, the, the tiles are very green. And then when we yeah. cu- when we cut to Jennifer Connelly, she's wearing, wearing like, a green, a green dress. sparkle dress. And uh, even when he when uh, Kiefer Sutherland is mixing things up and it, where, when he's playing with the rat, the lights, the ambient lights on the back are green. There's a oh, lot cool. of green in this film, and it's it's like a is it supposed it's like to a be jade green almost? Do you think the green may may have some kind of like it's supposed to be like a like a reminder that we come from a, a lush and, and fertile planet. I don't know because you don't see you see very little plant life in this you whole movie. It's yeah, all it's cold, all city. It's steel. It's Gotham. That's yeah, what I, it's, like, Gotham, it's, it's Gotham for sure. Um, I also was thinking like maybe it's like oh green aliens. Oh uh, yeah, I, I suppose. Know. Yeah, that makes sense too. It, it just it, it makes it, it it's a it's it's a dark green. It's very jade. Is yeah, the color I would say. And then there's some like I don't know, just green. I guess was a great choice because there's not really a lot of blues. Yeah, or anything like that. And it's an, it's its color without having it to be that you know too bright. Yeah, maybe they did that to just be like, just oh, I'm happy. Aesthetic choice. Yeah, yeah. You don't see any plants. No, not even in the the hooker's house that doesn't die. Right. Was she, does she have any plants? Uh, I don't. She know. had a pretty They're, nice. Apartment. I think somebody has some fucking succulents somewhere, but uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, this this movie is is full, like to the brim, and they really pack a lot in for as short as it is. 
Um, and uh, I know we mentioned before that there's a lot of, uh, like, uh, you can see the visual influences from, like, Metropolis. There's even, like, elements of, like, the Maltese Falcon, especially in that, like, noir sort of detective story. Um, there's, it feels like Twilight Zone, and even, like, the movie Acura, or Akira, or Akira from 88, mm-hmm. uh, played uh, an influence on, on this role as well. Was <coughs> it uh, Tetsuo who can manipulate uh, the world with his mind? Did you ever see Akira? No. Oh, like, I'm not into anime, but that movie is fantastic. Really? And it's some of the best hand animated. Yeah, and, um, it, my wife always gets on me because uh, <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen, like, Spirited Away. <clears throat> what? I know, I know, I know. People right now are just, they're, they're turning the channel off. They're shutting it off. I know. It's, I've <clears throat> seen a lot of movies, guys. I have Charlie Chaplin tattooed on my back. All right, I'm a huge. Uh, I like the older movies, but yeah, there's a few things I've uh, I've never seen. I think this definitely harkens back. It's it's a nice tip of the hat and homage to some of those older films. It is, and they do a great job. And again, sorry if we spoiled it for you, but you should have turned it off and went and watched yeah. the movie. Well, that's on you. That's on you, not <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, but definitely, definitely watch it. Um, it, I don't think uh, like I, I if you watch like Usual Suspects or The Sting or something like that, that has like yeah. a weird twist ending. Like after usual suspects, I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe you want to go back and see if uh, if Kevin Spacey breaks the character of uh, you know a little bit from Virgil to yeah uh, from Virgil to the Kaiser, Kaiser. Soze. No, I just ruined that for you too. <laughs> <laughs> you should see uh, our these viewership movies. is dropping right now. <laughs> these motherfuckers. Yeah, um, but after you watch that movie, it's not you don't really want to watch it again. I think this movie you kind of want to watch again. It's be- definitely because worth. you feel like your brain only soaked up twenty percent right. of it. It, it, there is there is so much information packed in 96 minutes that you're a little overwhelmed. Um, and you want to, like, most of my notes are just questions because I had never seen the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? And at the very end, I just wrote down all questions are asked. I do really like uh, near the end of the movie, um, we have a clip of that too when Mr. Hand talked to John Murdoch. We do. So after, after John Murdoch um, gets all of his superpowers and basically beats the shit out of all the strangers, um, he straight up murders like half of them. Oh, and and by the way, Mr. Hand, which is the uh what's the guy's name again? Um Richard O'Brien. Richard Riff O'Brien's Raff. character, yeah, the Riff Raff guy. Uh he injected himself with John Murdoch's uh memories that they had injected him with before, so he could try to track him down. So he kinda is now a serial killer um with all <laughs> of John Murdoch's memories. And uh so John Murdoch goes to where like that hole was where um John Hurt kind of got sucked out, I guess. And he, with his mind, because he's like, I have the full power of the yeah. force. So I can create Shell Beach if I want to. Yeah, he, he, he's, now the, he's now the master. And yeah. he, uh, he creates Shell Beach. Like, the uh, water starts flowing out. The, the world expands a little bit. Fills up with water and all this stuff. And then uh, Mr. Even H- turns the uh, city yeah, even turns the, the city so the sun comes up. And then um, and while he's doing this... Uh, Mr. Hand comes up and you kind of get a little uh, a little back and forth between the main back deal. and forth, which kind of kind of wraps the movie. Kind of sums a it bit. up, yeah. So here we go. Been waiting for you, yes. What are you doing? I'm just making a few little changes around here, is all. Are we sure that's what we want? I'm prepared to take my chances. I'm dying, John. Your imprint is not agreeable with my kind, but I wanted to know what it was like. How you feel. You know how I was supposed to feel. That person isn't me. Never was. You wanted to know what it was about us that made us human. 
you're not gonna find it in here. He's pointing to his head. You went looking in the wrong place. Yeah, and I then love he, the and music then he just, there behind that. He opens up a door, and then the sun just pow, pops in. And, yeah, and uh, you see one of the strangers in the full light, and how he recoils yeah, from and he's it. Like, and then he just kind of, you know, he just. I don't think he blows up or anything. You don't even no. see him again. I think he just dies. It's just an aversion to it. Yeah, he, he just yeah. silently dies off in the corner. I really like this scene um, because it's sort of like a the first of three different times where. Jennifer Connelly appears standing at the end of a pier in a real striking image. Mm-hmm. And the other two times after this that it, that, that happens is in Requiem for a Dream and then in House of Sand and Fox. So it's all, all completely unintentional. It's just coincidental and, that and she happened this, to be that the, way. This was, uh, the way she was in this was very reminiscent for me of uh, of uh, Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. Does she have like musical numbers in that too? She, no, she she doesn't sing. She dances in one of them, but it's just okay. it's just her dress. I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, like Jennifer Connelly, sure. like she's easily my favorite actor in this whole movie. Oh yeah, no, I love she, William Hurt. You know, she I, I think she has the most range in it, a little bit. I, I mean, I think she I mean the, she has the, the main most range character as an actor. But this character, I think, is is isn't it's a good quite, character. I, I mean to say, her in this movie isn't um, as well like fleshed out as the others, but she's still my favorite actress. Just based on her body of work. Yeah, and then uh, she did Requiem shortly after this. Like the next year. Like the next year. I think, think or no, 2000. I think it was 2000. 2000. Yeah, I think you're right. And then that's a that's a massive shift in uh, in uh, acting ability, I would say. Yeah, and there's even two connections to the Hulk uh, in this. Oh, yeah, she, I forgot. No, she wasn't in the Hulk. Yeah, she was in Hulk 2003. Oh, the one with... Uh, with, with Eric Bana. Eric Bana, yeah. And I then, always want to say Bruce Bana. Yeah, because like yeah, Bruce, Bruce Banner, Eric Bana. If he was from Boston. It Bruce Banner. Yeah. Uh, and then also William Hurt William played Hurt was in it. Thunderbolt yeah. Ross. No, in the next, oh, in the next Hulk one. movie yeah. in 2008, yeah. <laughs> who, who played it in... Um, the... Sam Elliott played uh, Thunderbolt in, Ross. In the 2000 one? In the 2003 one. Oh, dude, it's been so long since I've seen that. Well, I'm a huge Hulk fan, too. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I, remember, I remember watching it like, video games came out yeah. for it, and they were just really bad. Uh, the Ultimate the Destruction? No, it was like the whole... It was like based off the movie. I did play... Did you play that one? Not the movie-based game, but I did play Incredible oh, Hulk. One? Ultimate Destruction was a whole lot of fun. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Jennifer Connelly is in the, in this scene, in one of the final scenes. It's really great. She, uh, man, I have, I have, a, I wouldn't really mention too many of her movies, and I don't want to uh, well, for Jennifer too much Connelly? time right yeah, now the, with uh, that, but. You know who Jennifer Connelly is. Yeah, she's great. She was also in Mulholland Falls, which we mentioned. With that, Treat uh, Williams. Treat Williams, that's right. Yeah, she was really big in the 90s. She did a lot of stuff in the 90s, because she. She had that baby face that, and, you know, and I mean, caterpillar eyebrows. I mean, the, the big one that everyone remembers is the labyrinth. I yeah, mean, labyrinth. If you saw the labyrinth, yeah. that's Jennifer Connelly. She was also in the uh, Day of the Earth Stood Still, which I think was a fine remake. That's also one of my favorite, like, horror or uh, science fiction films, 1951. Like the eco yeah. kind of science fiction movies. <laughs> so what, what would be your favorite scene? Oh, man. I, I love this scene where he comes to the full potential of his power. Like you just like you were mentioning earlier, the whole Christ-like thing and how he hops off of the thing and and it just destroys them. Yeah, and he's just like okay, he makes got, his own world. He's got a memory now, and he's just gonna own it. That's sort of like my takeaway from the movie is, is like in life, create your own shell beach. You know, that's, yeah, that's I, what I really like. I, about I, it. I wrote on there. I said uh, the the world is what you make of it. Yeah, he just makes his own world. Exactly. You know? My favorite scene is it's just a it's a throwaway scene, but. Uh, the uh, John Murdoch is like uh, he's running away. He's kind of fighting some of the guys or in the middle of the movie before he gets the powers and the world is changing at the time. 
Oh, and around him while around he's trying him, to escape. and he's like, yeah, it's he's trying to jump, and that. And then they're on like the side of a, they're on like the fire escape. Yeah. And then one of the stranger guys gets his coat stuck, and there's like oh, a building yeah. coming towards him, and it just like, it gets like smashed. It just, it just, it just squishes him like a bug. You just see all this black goop go like <laughs> everywhere, and I was like, that's funny. I kind of wrote that down. Uh, what works? What doesn't? I don't even think we need to talk about that. I think it works. I don't think we do either. Yeah. I think it works. Uh, we already talked about the production. Main takeaway we've pretty much already talked about. Yeah, I, I think the last few things we can mention is like the reception or its its score. Oh yeah, we we got the well, yeah, it has an, you got the uh, score, right? You got the yeah. You bring up the review. I got yeah. I got some numbers here. So uh, IMDb gives it a seven point six out of ten. I personally give it a ten, but um, and that's out of like one hundred and seventy eight thousand reviews. So that's pretty good that it gets a seven point six. It's got a meta score of sixty six in the green, based on twenty three critic reviews. Rotten Tomatoes puts it at 76%, which is certified fresh, and an 85% audience score. And uh, uh, you got a couple of... I do. Uh, so Roger Ebert, at the time, uh, Chicago Sun-Times, called it a great visionary achievement. Um, the film was original and exciting. It stirred my imagination like Metropolis and 2001 Space Odyssey. I mean, he put it up there with two massive, massive. sci-fi classics. Yeah. And he, he convinced it to that. Um, the San Francisco Examiner um, didn't really give it that much. It's uh, uh, Dark City doesn't amount to much. He believed it, uh, it had a complicated plot. Um, it, it was no more. The themes were no more than a window dressing. <laughs> you know, he kind of he. I scoff. You know, I snort with derision. A lot of people are like, you just don't know sci-fi kind of stuff. There's. I a, mean, yeah, it is a complicated plot, but it's it's a rewarding one if you're really like you know involved. Let's see here. And there's just a bunch of stuff about kind of the director and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Time said it, it's a, as cool and as as cool and distant as the planet strangers come from. Um, I don't know what the heck. You yeah, know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It just trying to turn a phrase. Yeah, I guess you know you're reading this, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? But I think it was good. There are a lot of reviews on it, and again, you t you said that you know a lot of film. Uh, schools use this as a study. It's been the subject of analysis and, and uh, it, it, over it, and uh, like. <sighs> it's great that it, that this that this movie that came out in 1998. I mean, this is 21 years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> I can't believe that. Is it just me, or when you think 10 years ago, you think it was the 90s? Oh, uh, sometimes. All yeah, I still feel that way. Yeah, 21 yeah. years ago it came out, and uh, I mean, it's still. I think it holds up. Some of the analysis, I think it holds up incredibly well, and and it's it's. I, uh, I don't. I don't think this movie should ever be remade. Oh hell no! No, and okay. it definitely doesn't need a sequel. No, no, no. Um, movies like this are great in their standalone, just like package deal, just boom, boom, boom. Like let it be its own thing, and and don't don't f with it. There is a director's cut, um, which only it's it's only a few minutes longer. But the main things they do change from the director's cut to the uh, theatrical release was they they remove Schreiber's narration at the beginning. Because the studio pressured him to do it that. It was the, the narration at the beginning, I feel, doesn't really set it up that much. No, and it reveals plot points. It does. It's like, blah, 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 blah. Let it happen organically. It, this did win some awards. Um, yeah, it got a film, Saturn Award. It, it did. Uh, did it get a Saturn Award? Well, it got a, it got a bunch of awards. It got awards. nominated for No, it, it won Best Science Fiction Film. Yeah, it tied with Armageddon, tied actually. Armageddon. <laughs> um, but it, it did win a, a Best Screenplay at the Bram, uh, Bram Stoker Award. It got the Ooh. Film Credit Circle of Australia Best Screenplay. It, it won a bunch of... Uh, uh, the National Board of Review gave it a special recognition award and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, Amsterdam fan... Fantastic Film Festival got a Silver Scream Award. I mean, it, it, it won some, some good stuff. Yeah. It's... Uh, 
it, it like it's been the subject of so much analysis in film school and 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 like you know video essays from you know film scholars and uh, and enthusiasts like us um uh that sometimes the analysis go a little off the rails but sometimes they make sense like there's a theologian named Gerard Laughlin who interprets Dark City as a retelling of Plato's allegory of the cave oh okay um there's also like a lot of motifs within the movie of Greek mythology like you see the you know, uh, Neptune's kingdom. Yeah, when he get, when he goes to see his uh, his supposedly I'm doing air quotes again. Yeah, uh, uncle. Yeah, it's it's like a it's it really reminded me of like a a, a Batman villain hideout. Yeah, almost. It, yeah, it's it like, like Neptune's a theater cave. or something, wasn't it? It, it was had it, a lot of like underwater nautical. Yeah, nautical sort of. stuff. The the face really looks like um like a creature of the Black Lagoon type of face. Yeah, totally. Um, and it, uh, it, it's not that it's uh, what am I thinking? The the Kraken from Clash of the Titans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the original Clash of the Titans. It kind of looked yeah. like that um, that kind of face. Uh, the film style is often like compared a lot to the the works of like Terry Gilliam. I know we mentioned Brazil before. Um, I don't I don't know how that's really. A, I mean Terry Gilliam is he can be dark on things. Yeah. But I can maybe see some connection with the miniature sets. And sure. Stuff like yeah. That, yeah. But I would. If Terry Gilliam's name was on this, I would have been like, "What? This doesn't seem like a, a Gilliam type no. of thing." Time Bandits, maybe, but yeah. this, this is darker than any Gilliam film I've ever seen. Um, it also has some stylistic similarities to like City of Lost Children, um, and you know other movies of the of the like. Fritz Lang's Metropolis. I know we we could fucking talk about that all day, um, but yeah, it's 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 all over the place. It's wonderful. Um, I, uh, I I don't really think I have much more to say about it. There was... I think uh, Christopher Nolan also, when he started thinking about writing the script for Inception, uh, this is a movie that he really um, he really liked. Yeah. Yeah, Inception uh, was a was influenced by this heavily as well. Well, I think... I think I have one more clip. Do you have anything else to talk about? You know, I want to give it... Uh, oh, we got a duck rated. We got a duck it, yeah. Uh, this is five it. ducks, homie gonna be five quack, on quack. yeah i'm gonna give it three out of five okay you know, one because i've only seen it once and maybe i might change it on i know that i gave flight of the navigator four out of five um that's just yeah because it's it a bias again. sure it is a it is a great movie i i definitely would suggest this film like if someone said Absolutely. what's a good what's a weird sci-fi dark film i would suggest uh this movie so uh real quick before we uh before i play our our outro clip um, I do want to say that um, these three episodes should be up and running. Our next episode is not going to be until, I believe, October 5th. And uh, we'll be releasing that October 5th. And that's going to be The Chase, right? We're going to be doing that? The Chase with Charlie Sheen. With yeah. Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson. Yeah, back to her. She back was to in her, her, in our, our inaugural episode. Yeah. And if you haven't seen that movie, if you want to watch it before you listen to uh, the the Chase podcast that we're going to do. Yeah. Um, if you have Amazon uh, Prime Video, it is available on there. So you don't have to purchase it. If you have Prime Video, uh, watch it. It's free to watch. So watch that film and um, hear back on Saturday, October 5th. It'll probably be uploaded in the morning. Sounds good. And uh, our final clip is, um, by the way, we didn't talk about it, but Jennifer Connelly's character is a lounge singer. Oh, yeah. And uh, she actually does sing a little bit in this, and this is going to play us out. Here's Love a little Jennifer Connelly singing Sway. Bye, everybody. When marimba rhythms start to play, dance with me, make me sway, like the lazy ocean hugs the shore, hold me close.